0: The pictures we saw at the beginning of chapel are difficult to view. Suffering's always difficult to view. Today we're going to continue in our theme for the month on worship as a means of grace. I grew up in a segregated part of Lexington. Growing up, I had very little understanding of suffering. And injustice. My world was pretty isolated. My brothers and I went to segregated schools and we lived in a segregated neighborhood. Looking back I realized how small my world really was. But everything seemed okay to me. Everything we needed was right there in our little neighborhood. The corner grocery store, the doctor, the drugstore, and the church were all within walking distance. And boy, did we spend a lot of time in church. Even driving to my father's garage on the west side of town, I don't ever remember going through a neighborhood where I ever saw anyone but African Americans. I thought that was the way the world was. That's all I knew. The concept of injustice and inequality was foreign to me. I was young, innocent, and naive. Then one day my brother came home, my oldest brother, and he talked about civil rights and Dr. Martin Luther King. And he and some of his friends were staging a sit-in down at the Woolworths lunch counter in downtown Lexington. That was my first encounter with prejudice. Suffering and injustice is difficult to experience, and it's difficult to view. We see a picture of suffering in our text today. One Sabbath, while Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for over 18 years. She was bowed down, And she couldn't get up. Yet, she came to the place of worship. Use your imagination with me today. I wonder if she ever remembers being able to walk upright when she was younger. I wonder if she looked at the sky or the sun or the moon at night. I wonder if she ever had a chance to marvel at the stars. I wonder if she skipped about or danced when she was a young girl. Did she ever know the joys of life? But somewhere in life, her condition changed, and it was nothing she could do about it. She was bent over, and she could not straighten herself up. Wonder what it was like for her to get up and get dressed and make her way to the synagogue pain she must have suffered from being in this position bent and bowed for all these years. Her arthritic back and joints must have given her unbearable pain. How could she possibly enjoy life all bent over? I can see her in my mind's eye moving step by step toward the synagogue shuffling along to the place of worship. I mean, how else was she going to get there? I doubt that she could ride a donkey in her position, all bent and bowed. She must have been serious about worship. It must have been an important place for her. Look at the obstacles she had to overcome to join other people in worship. Wonder what obstacles we'll overcome to join others in worship. I wonder if life lost a little bit of light in her condition. Maybe she had lost a little bit of the joy always looking down, never able to look up. She was bound. She might as well have had shackles on her feet. She was bound. The scripture tells us the enemy had bound her. He didn't want her to be free. That must be his job description. Binding people, putting shackles on their feet, filling their life with pain and suffering, destroying life. I wonder if it ever crossed her mind as she was making her way to the synagogue on this particular day that she might encounter the living Christ, that he might heal her and restore. I wonder if she ever prayed through her pain. I wonder if that pain ever deepened her prayer life and brought her into a place of worship. I wonder if she ever cried out to God. Perhaps it was a simple prayer like the one in Psalm 70, verse 1. Be pleased, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. I believe she did. I believe she led a life of worship. I want to believe this double-bent woman knew something about worship that leads us into the power and presence of a holy God, no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what our sufferings might be. I believe she made that journey to the synagogue because she knew that worship takes the focus off of our pain and puts us and makes us focus on the eyes of a holy God. I believe this crippled woman somehow knew as she worshiped God that she would encounter Him and experience Him. She worshiped God through her pain and suffering. N.T. Wright says about worship, when we begin to get a glimpse of the reality of God, the natural reaction is to worship you. Not to have that reaction is a fairly sure sign that we haven't really understood who he is or what he's done. Worship is a means of grace. It's the grace that comes from the Father towards us, and grace that opens us up and draws us closer to him. When we gather together in worship and community, Jesus is present. I have very, very clear memories of older women worshiping in church. I can still hear them standing up on Sunday morning and saying, a charge to keep our have, and a God to glorify. I can still hear them praying, Lord, I thank you this this morning that I woke up in my right mind with a reasonable portion of health and strength. At the time, I had no idea what they must have endured day after day after day. You know, most of these older women I knew were domestics. My grandmother was a domestic. If you've ever seen the movie The Help, that's a domestic. They worked in other people's homes by day, cleaning their house, cooking the meals, doing the laundry, and taking care of children for meager wages, only to come home tired and do it all again at their home. Growing up, I had no idea of their suffering because I would see them at church worshiping. They were shouting. They were given testimony to the goodness of God. I now understand they coped with their hardships through their faith by entering into the sufferings of Christ because they had been freed by the blood of Christ. They knew how to worship. I promise you, these ladies knew how to worship. In testimony service, I would hear them say, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now that had to be spoken out of a place of worship a place of faith a place of believing in their hearts that god was going to make things better they didn't know any theology they didn't go to asbury theological seminary but they knew god they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony as kim told us earlier harriet tubman is quoted as praying, I'm going to hold steady on you, and you've got to see me through. You have to experience a large congregation in worship singing, hold to God's unchanging hand to get a sense of this type of worship, this type of faith, knowing that God indeed was going to see them through. I imagine the woman in our text today knew something of that through her suffering, holding steady, holding to God's unchanging hand. This particular day for her in the synagogue would be like no other. Jesus was there. The King of kings and the Lord of lords was present. And because the deliverer was there, her condition was about to change. As Jesus was teaching and looking over the crowd, he saw her. Of all the people, Jesus saw her. Now, I would imagine she wasn't easily seen in the crowd. After all, she was bent and bowed. She was much lower than everybody else. But the Lord saw her. I mean, Jesus really saw her. Maybe all of these years and 18 years and no one had ever looked her way, but Jesus sees her. Isn't it interesting, Jesus always sees those that others may overlook. He saw the totality of her suffering, the humiliation of her ailment, and the way it was set apart, and the way she was set apart into a prison of loneliness. He sees how other people look away when she comes into their line of vision. He sees the emotional as well as the physical pain she suffers. Jesus sees the whole picture. He always sees us, and he sees the whole picture. I thank God that Jesus sees us in totality. He sees her. He calls her forward and says to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Set free, released, loosed from the bond that had her bound. She was liberated. Can you imagine with me this woman who had been crippled for 18 years has been set free from her suffering? Jesus, the great deliverer. Jesus, the rose of Sharon. Jesus, the bright and morning star, the one who entered into her suffering, that she might be set free. Jesus, the one who enters into our suffering, that we might be set free, the one who sets us free from the effect and the effect of sin. Thank you, Jesus. Then he lays his hands upon her, and immediately she stands up straight. And what is her response? She praises God. Oh, the compassion and love of Jesus in this text. He knew all about her. He knew how she was bound. He knew why she was bound. And he knew how she had suffered. I think Jesus is carrying out his mission statement. In Luke 4, 18 through 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus breaks every fetter and sets us free. As we come into worship today, what has you crippled? What has you bent and bowed? What's taken some of the light out of your life? Sometimes the spiritual infirmity can be as real as a physical infirmity. What is it that you desire to be free from today? When we come to worship, Jesus is present. And because of him, we can be set free from what has us bound. In community, this woman was set free. Well, the text tells us immediately she straightened up and praised God. Isn't that the response to being set free, praising God? Can you imagine the sound of her praise? Can you hear it? This woman who's been looking at dirt can now look up to heaven. I don't know about you, but I can hear the sound of her her praise. She was shouting, Are the things that keep us from praising God go to the wayside when we get released. I believe this woman, because she was bound for 18 years, had a praise way down deep in her that needed to get out. I imagine she said things like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessing and honor, glory and power Belong to you, O Lord. She was a praising woman. Oftentimes, the deeper the sorrow, the deeper the praise. Unusual, grateful praise. I can hear her testifying, telling the rest of the crowd how Jesus has set her free from what had shackled her for so many years. I don't know about you, but her freedom invokes visions and pictures of the crippled beggar by the beautiful gate, who, when he was healed, was jumping and leaping and praising God. And then Jesus gives this woman, we only know her by crippled woman, a name. He gives her value. He calls her a daughter of Abraham. She found freedom in worship from our Savior. We celebrate in worship. One of the things I've always enjoyed about African-American worship is the celebration. Why wouldn't the people who had been oppressed put down, look past, and pushed to the margins, sing and celebrate the liberating power of Jesus Christ? Why wouldn't they sing and clap and celebrate the hope that's found in Jesus for a brighter future? The clapping, the dancing, the giving glory to God are all rhythms of hope, hope of a a brighter day that will be free of pain and suffering. When we look up at a God and confess, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? If it wasn't for the Lord, how could I have possibly made it? Then we begin to understand this type of worship the celebration of a God who holds us close to him when we want to let go and give in. One songwriter penned it this way, I almost let go. I was right on the edge of a breakthrough and couldn't see it. The devil thought he had me, but Jesus came and grabbed me, and he held me close so I wouldn't let go. God's mercy kept me, so I wouldn't let go. That kind of praise, that kind of celebration. Perhaps you've never been in a place of wanting to give up and to let go, of wanting to get in, to give in and feel God wrap His loving arms around you. This experience of worship is not just in the intellect. It can be felt. It can be experienced. It's the call and response between preacher and the worshiper as he points out to a congregation to put their eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's an empowering of the Holy Spirit to keep on keeping on, even in the face of injustices. It's an interesting tension between the intellect and emotions in this type of worship it's a dance of casting all your cares on God and entering into divine presence of God and community. I don't know about you, but I've experienced both suffering and worship. When I was a student at, here at the seminary in 2010, my 23-year-old son was killed by gun violence by a racist. As we gathered in community to worship God and celebrate Daniel's life, there were people there from all backgrounds, different races, ages, different walks of life, and different places of worship. It was indeed the body of Christ. Our commonality was found in the love for the Savior and the suffering of a mother. And as we were waiting for the minister to give the invocation, I heard singing coming from the back of the sanctuary, spontaneous praise and worship. It was my friend Denise leading us in a song, a song of hope. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Jesus, blessed Savior, he's worthy to be praised. And quickly the room was filled with praise and worship to our God. Hands were held high, heads were lifted up, and you could feel and sense a shift in the atmosphere. Worship gives us a shift in the room. She went on to sing a cappella. God is our rock, rock of salvation, a strong deliverer. In him will I always trust. Glory, glory. Glory, give him glory. Jesus, blessed Savior, he's worthy to be praised. Jesus was there. He was present. It was like he poured ointment, on our aching souls. Something broke that day. The presence of Jesus in worship breaks things. He broke the hurt. He broke the pain. He broke the suffering. Dr. Martin Luther King Penn from a Birmingham jail, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. Worship is a celebration of God's power and his faithfulness. It's a promise of freedom, recovery, and release. He said he would. It's an identification with Jesus Christ in his suffering and the hope of resurrection. It's rooted in the belief that God is a God of justice. Worship is about the faith to believe God loves and cares for his people. As we gather as a community today in different backgrounds and different worship styles, let us remember Jesus, who entered into suffering, that we might be set free. Worship, healing, and freedom. I'd like to close our worship today by us joining together in community and singing a poem written by James Weldon Johnson in 1899 and set to music by his brother, John Johnson. It was written when Jim Crow was replacing slavery. The song speaks to freedom in worship. Lift every voice and sing is oftentimes known as the Black National Anthem. But what I love about this song is it speaks to the optimism, speaks to praise. It it speaks to freedom and courage and hope of faith and trust in our God. Amen?